0: Today, I'm speaking with Hugo Richards, co-founder and CEO of DisTech. It's an evidence-based online literacy measurement and dyslexia screening platform powered by artificial intelligence. Hugo believes all problems have solutions. Sometimes they take a long time to find, but with advances in technology and artificial intelligence, suddenly our human brains and problem-solving capabilities are far less limited. We discuss this passion and what digital health innovation can offer speech pathology, literacy, and dyslexia sectors across healthcare and education. Additionally, Hugo and the team have built a client engagement framework that can help track, monitor, and evidence success post-initial assessment. This could make a significant and meaningful impact on families around the world who are supporting their child toward improvements and achievement of their own goals. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, Hugo. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good, Yanni. Thank you for having me. It's
1: great to see you and I look forward to chatting with you.
0: Likewise, likewise. You're at a very interesting stage in your startup life as the journey has been unfolding with DisTech. I'm really looking forward to hearing about what you're doing. I really see you having really embraced a lot of the concepts and frameworks within digital health tools and it's real credit to you. So just really looking forward to unpacking it. Tell me a little bit about the journey. Why have You started DisTech. What led to that point in time?
1: Basically, I've been working in startup for quite a while. And DisTech is actually, I think, the fourth project that I started. But it's really the one that shows the most success and traction so far. And I'm looking forward to what's coming up. The idea of DisTech basically started back in 2017. At that time, I was in France and I was between France and London. And I was actually having a consulting company. Basically, one of co-founder Matthew, he actually made a joke one day about potentially having a software or an app that could potentially support dyslexic kid. And I'm actually dyslexic. So there were this sort of personal thing that sort of arise saying, oh, actually, I'm dyslexic as well. But, you know, I've never thought of it until you've made that joke. And I was in the process of looking for next opportunity in terms of my life and career. And... I took him up on a joke and we basically sat down and write on the board. Okay. What does that mean? What does that look like? And then in 2018, I came back to Australia and we sort of packed the idea on the side. And then one day there were a tender from the Victorian government and they were looking for a copywriter to rewrite or improve their content on one side of their website. That was providing resources of around dyslexia to parent and teacher. And so I dig a little bit deeper and then I've actually realized that, hey, Victoria is the education state, right? So I decided to take that idea back, contacted all the people that we discussed with before. And here we go. We started the company in 2018 and now we have a product. We've launched, we work with school, literacy clinic, and we are supporting kids and it's just a start.
0: It's one thing I find very fascinating about life that wherever you put your attention, it's almost as though the world starts pointing you in directions. And I kind of get that sense, like when you were describing the conversation you had with your friend and it was just like there was a moment there in your life and all of a sudden there was a, why doesn't somebody do an app about this? And then all of a sudden your attention is going on that idea and then you're starting to see opportunities and you're starting to see pathways. And I guess you empathised with it a lot. Is sort of your experience with dyslexia has that been something that has helped shape Persona to design around, or was it the brief from the Victorian government in terms of what they were trying to achieve and who they were trying to speak to? But what was that like?
1: Me being dyslexic has helped us share the story, and it has helped us create conversation and create relationship with organization that basically allowed us to build a technology that we have right now. When we started this deck. We actually have absolutely zero background in literacy whatsoever. The main skill sets of the founding team are startup and business, so sales, building products, talking to customer, and mainly AI and data science and mathematic. But when we started looking at dyslexia, what we realized is that there is actually two main problems with poor literacy, and it's early identification and early support. If you solve that, Technically, in theory, you've basically solved the dyslexic problem and you gave equal opportunity to any student, regardless of their learning disorder or learning differences. So we came along and we said, hey, we've got no knowledge. Let's try and understand as much as we can on reading online. Let's try and start conversation with educational psychologists, people who work in the industry and try and understand what's going on and then reflect on, okay, we have this skill set. How can we use that skill set to build something that could help? And we quickly realized that support was out of the question. Supporting students is something that's extremely complicated. Reading is actually a super complicated process. And you need speech pathologists and literacy professional to be able to provide the support. And we don't have that skill set. However, on the assessment side, what we realized is that even though dyslexia and poor literacy has different definition depending on the country and there is different scientific discussion around what dyslexia is, where does it come from? Turns out everyone is agreeing on the fact that dyslexia, observable symptom are problem with reading. And we're a tech guy, right? So we all have phone. Phone are amazing device to record your voice. How about we collect thousands of audio recording of diagnosed dyslexic and fluent reader and use AI and train an algorithm on those type of data and see whether we can actually build a model that could potentially by listening to your voice predict whether you're dyslexic or not. So that's really sort of the starting theory of this tech. And so for me being dyslexic it really facilitated the discussion with different schools, different organizations, and starting collecting data, starting collecting some strong partnership, which ultimately allowed us to build a technology that we have now to publish or peer review scientific publication. So being dyslexic wasn't really the main feature I would say of this tech, but The fact that there is some strong personal living experience of being in that situation is definitely something that supports us in the work that we do.
0: That's really interesting. And it makes a lot of sense. The storytelling is very important. When you're trying to build a startup, that story is typically what your addressable market is connecting with and finding some sense of connection and establishing, I guess, the answer to the question, why? Why would they want to engage with you? Why would they want to engage with the application, for example? I had an experience as a recipient of healthcare services from a variety of different healthcare professionals that was quite problematic at the time, and I think contributed to poor experience with the healthcare system and also a protracted recovery. And that's what led to me feeling that sense of motivation to try and do something about connecting points of care and facilitating better communication, which is what Core Plus is, one of its main things that it's been able to achieve over the years. I relate to you when you talk about the ability to talk to that and tell that story without necessarily basing the solution on yourself, but it's more about the empathy and translation from that point of view. So that's really intriguing. And you sort of talked about the problems. I'm assuming that was sort of an academic notion where it was sort of established if you can identify these issues really early, then you can do something about it. And I think the way you've gone about it is really clever. I'm more listening to those audio recordings of known knowns. And then being able to find the patterns in it, that must've been a pretty exciting early stage, even though you're putting a lot of time and effort into things, there's no money at that point. There's no love, there's no feedback. It's all basically going into the proof of concept, the MVP and what have you. What was that time for you like?
1: When we started this deck back in 2018, we used our own money and we did so until 2021, so we basically bootstrapped everything. It was extremely hard because at the start, what the main thing that we needed is data. And we needed to collect a lot of data because machine learning and people in the AI community, they know that data is king and you need a lot of data and you need clean data, accurate data. So that was the biggest challenge for us, which was, okay, how do we get a large amount of data? We need to work with school ideally because school have the information on the students and it's at scale we are not affiliated with any university and when you're not affiliated with a university if you want to do that type of research you need to obtain what's called an ethic approval and if you're an independent researcher entity like us you actually have to spend a fair amount of money and a lot of time and pay a third-party organization to sort of validate and provide you with this ethic approval with this ethic approval you can then go to the government or the Catholic education and request an authorization from them to allow us basically to start working with school and approaching school. One of the very interesting things is that we are a for-profit company. So we're not a non-for-profit and what we are building, we are selling, even though we want to help kids and we will have an impact, but it's a for-profit company. So we've spent all that money and energy and the Department of Education refused We could work with public school. And same for the Catholic education. They said no. And the reason behind was that because we are for-profit commercial entity, they don't want to hear about us. So we were back to zero and we were like, how? We spent all that money. We spent all that time. We have a very strong theory. We know what we need. We have the ethic approval. We have everything. And we ended up reaching out to private organizations, so literacy clinic non-for-profit organization, small non-for-profit organization who were organizing dyslexic camp, things like that. We reach out to parents. It was literally knocking on door on every single people that we know or potential connection and say, hey, is your, are you keen that we take the data from your kids? Are they fluent reader? Do you have a diagnosis of dyslexia? So it was a huge manual process to really get the amount of data that we needed. Uh, we've learned a lot. When I look back and look at what we've achieved now and the technology that we have, I'm really happy that we didn't give up because there were a lot of ups and downs, a lot of stress, a lot of spent all saving into this. And there was literally no support. Like you said, no love, nothing. We don't work with a university. We're not standing on the shoulder of a giant who could potentially help us work with the Department of Education much easily. All we were just a bunch of dudes highly believing in what we were doing. And <laughs> we sort of made it work, but in a painful way. And what we quickly realized at the end when we actually had the research published and peer review, we've had a couple of publications and we're like, okay, now we are confident enough that we can deliver a product to people and it's reliable and it's accurate. It turns out we realized that people, so at the start, it was just a dyslexia screener. Then you have the normal startup life cycle where ideally you want to launch as fast as you can so that you understand exactly what your customer wants. And turns out they don't want to know whether they have dyslexia. They want to know what's next. It's like going to your GP, like, you know, and you're diagnosed with some strange disease and your GP doesn't tell you what to do. You probably don't want to know. We went into this situation where we went through all this pain and suffering on collecting the data, publishing the research, build a product that people didn't want. or well, that was not enough to provide enough value for having consistent, establishing a business and supporting people. So we had to sort of pivot after that. I was going to run out of money from my savings because I've quit my job at the time. I was working part-time and then I moved full-time on this tech. And then it was just a massive roller coaster of what are we doing? And it turns out out of the technology that we built, we can not only assess dyslexia, but we can also measure multiple aspects of reading. Turns out that's what people want. And now that's what Discover, the platform that we have, is doing. It's less about telling you whether someone is dyslexic and more about telling you whether someone is behind in their reading and where are the gaps. So it's been so much learning. Uh, over the past four or five years, it's been amazing.
0: That sounds like a typical startup story, Hugo. A maybe more refined way of saying it is you followed a uh, scientific method where you tested and validated hypotheses that you had at the time and discovered that the hypothesis wasn't stacking up. So you had to look at the feedback and refine your ideas and then you ended up with the MVP and that's another important thing as well in startup is understanding what is an MVP too often people will think it's just getting something in front of customers quickly but when you think about the acronym it's minimum viable product and it needs to be viable from the point of view of your customer so if they're not getting value out of it or not achieving a goal then you haven't achieved the MVP yet you're somewhere before that so you've got to keep going is that sort of something that resonates with you now in hindsight
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And luckily I've
1: done different startups before and it sort of was on the background from a learning perspective. And I knew that the fastest way for us to achieve something that could be viable and could provide value to the people that we wanted to support was to talk to as much people as possible in a short segment of time. And basically customer feedback is the most trustworthy piece of data that you would collect, which will allow you to make the most educated decision around what you need to build next. Many times, and you probably know people who are very excited about building those new feature and first customer that tell you they want all of this and you just go back in your garage and just do all of it. But it turns out it's only one point of data. You need to really have hundreds of conversation and then you start drawing a holistic picture of, okay, this is what we think is what people are asking us to build. I don't remember, but I think there was a quote or something like this about the iPhone. It's like, people didn't tell Apple, hey, we want an iPhone like this. Apple did a lot of customer feedback and customer discussion, and they concluded that out of all those discussions, we're going to build something like this that doesn't have a keyboard, that doesn't have this, that doesn't have that. So the customer doesn't really know what they want, but they know what they don't want very easy to understand if you build something that they don't want, they will tell you straight up and just build from
0: that. That definitely makes a lot of sense. Tell me about your customers. Who is this tech for? And what do they each get out of it?
1: Yeah. So Yanni, we're still figuring this out to some extent, but we don't claim to know exactly who's going to use this and how they're going to get value out of it. We've had some assumption. And so far, this assumption has been proven to be very close to the truth. The context is that The way you assess reading performance right now is generally using paper-based tests. Those paper-based tests requires you to have some accreditation and requires you to be quite educated and knowledgeable around how to administer the test, what does the score mean, how to mark the result, and compare this to a normative table. That's how people around the world are generally assessing student reading performance. And that's expensive and it takes a couple of hours.
0: You guys had a couple of hours per student.
1: Year. Oh, yeah, wow. Year. So that's the current situation. What we have done with Discover is that we have reduced this couple of hours to a five minute online test. But more importantly, what we've been able to do is that we've completely reduced and obscured all the complexity around the assessment itself. So, what that means is that your average English teacher who might not necessarily be trained specifically on providing specific reading assessment, they can watch a two-minute video, administer a discover assessment in five, 10 minutes. And what we have been able to do is that we're basically taking the reading recording of the student during the assessment, and we're analyzing all of this for them instantly. And so what that means is that now school have a tool that allow them not only to assess reading performance but it actually allows them to do this at scale and much faster than what they were originally doing when you look at school generally speaking they have small group of five, 10 kids and it takes a special education teacher a lot of time and effort but now we have school where they actually have 17 team member using the platform and assessing kids and monitoring progress, because now the test is five minutes, so you can actually have a test at the start of term one, at the end of term one, and you can actually monitor progress as well. So there's this whole new sort of world for them that save them time, save them money as well, because we charge 18 Australian dollar per year per kids it's much cheaper than having a paper-based test and having to file that. So from a school perspective, that's really where we are and how they see the value of using our platform. The other side of the customer that we support are much more specialized customers. I would say. Those are people who have literacy clinics, speech pathology, or people who provide intervention on students with learning disorder. The report that we provide is actually quite technical. And because those people are already educated around literacy, and basically that's their job to teach how to read, the report that we provide them actually make a lot of sense for them. And most of the things that we measure, they probably measure as well, but using maybe one or two different paper-based tests that they already use. And so it's pretty much the same thing. We're saving them a lot of time in terms of assessment time. We are facilitating communication between speech pathologists and clients. So what I mean by this is that If you look at the platform, the report that we provide are normed. So basically, it's also color-based. So for example, if the child is behind, we give you a score between poor, below average, average, above average, or superior related to their age group. So it's very tangible. You can explain that it's visual. And not only this, but if you do multiple assessment, you can also track the efficacy of the intervention provided to the child, which is something that's very hard for them to prove. You don't check progress on paper-based tests. So now they have the ability to export a very simple report with a chart, look at the four assessments that we've done on Jane Doe over the past six months. Her reading fluency has increased drastically. Her reading accuracy as well. And they share this with parents. What happens often as well is that it's a three-way conversation. You have parent, clinician, and school. It all works together because we're all talking about supporting that kid. And often having us as a third party assessment tool, which has proven evidence and all sorts of research available on our website, it actually facilitates conversation as well. Those are the main two customers that we've been working with for the last couple of months. And that's the feedback that we gather from them. Really, it's about time-saving ability to have early identification very quickly and ability to monitor the efficacy of what we are actually doing. All that combined, That's sort of what we gather from the feedback of the people that we work with so far.
0: That's really great, Hugo. I'm seeing that whole patient reported outcome measurement framework instilled within your business model. So I'm not sure whether you're consciously designing in that fashion, but there's a lot of good quality academic theories around PROMs and PREMs. And I see the mapping in your business model. I think it's really great. And what's the customer experience like? How are they feeding back? their level of engagement, their level of interest and enthusiasm to go beyond the assessment and actually participate in the change or the achievement of those goals that are established.
1: As of this morning, I think we have 78 organisations who are actively using the platform, and that includes a university, a couple of schools, and a lot of speech pathologists and literacy clinics. So there's a couple of things. One, we've launched Discover, but It's only the start of what's feasible. We actually have a very long roadmap. There is all sorts of different things that can be done from a technological perspective and engineering perspective, while keeping the simplicity at the same level as it is right now. So what I'm saying basically is that right now we have a five-minute reading assessment and you obtain instantly 13 different reading measurements, but there's another four that we know we can measure and we already measure, it's just a matter of implementing them in the report. So there is this roadmap and what we are trying to do is to get as much feedback as we can from school perspective, from literacy clinic perspective, they all have different needs. For example, school would want a more extensive reporting capability where you can actually have the holistic view of the school, the class, things like this which makes sense and then literacy clinic obviously they want more different tests so for example something to do with phonological awareness something like this and so that interaction that we have with them is shaping what we do next if i interpret your question in another way which is what was the feedback from the impact for them and are we actually supporting them to support children, because ultimately that's really what we want to do. That was actually very hard for us because we were really thinking about a way to really measure and monitor the impact that discovery is having on a student. And that's quite hard because it's just an assessment tool. But is it a catalyst for providing earlier support? Is it a catalyst to start conversation with school and put support in place? And for us, those things are very hard to track. But recently what happened is that we actually have this free parent support letter available on our website. And basically what that is, is that we also have a product for parent, which is just a simple dyslexia screener. And basically that letter is just a well-drafted email that for any parent who did the screening, if the screening returned back to a high likelihood of dyslexia, you can get that email, attach your report and forward this to your teacher. And this is just to start a conversation around, I think my child might have some challenge. Have you noticed anything? Can we discuss about this? And recently we have a client in Sydney. She's absolutely amazing. And she has a literacy clinic. She actually used one of our parent letter for a client of ours because the school was a bit unsupportive and she exported a report from Discover, used the parent support letter Gave that to the parent, the parent went to the school, and now there is a discussion around okay, we need to put some support in place, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And that is a super amazing validation of we're actually supporting people, even though it's hard for us to track. Ultimately, we are facilitating early identification and early support. That's just amazing to hear, you know, when you have someone giving you that feedback, it just Makes you wake up in the morning and go even harder and push even further.
0: There's just so much opportunity I see ahead for you. I know it's relatively early days, but at least you're in the market and you're getting customers on board now. You're seeing, it looks like three personas that you're designing for, the parent, the school and the health professional. That's opening up, I see, a lot of opportunity. And it was more about the journey that the client goes on, whether it's the child they're having an experience now which is this kind of used to be paper based sit down for 2 hours with a person face to face now there's this sort of 5 minute pathway or touch point this digital touch point to get them to a point of an assessment then yields some kind of program or support systems or steps that need to be taken and then there are other touch points that come with that and some of those would be in your product And some of those will be outside of your product, i.e. you reference the speech pathologist, for example, getting involved. You talked about management at a school level across the board. There seems to be a variety of stakeholder views here. But I was trying to cut through on the actual client experience, the client journey through this process, whether you've been able to map that and whether you have kind of fairly lucid picture as to what it looks like today and then potentially what it might look like in the future.
1: There are definitely different pathways for different user persona. So if you look at literacy clinics and people who provide reading intervention, generally speaking, the people who come to them already know that there is something going on. So the awareness is already there. They already know that something needs to happen. Generally speaking, we have speech pathologists and literacy clinic, we have people with four hundred and fifty kids on their waiting list. They're extremely busy people. It seems that the platform allows them to alleviate the time required and spent for them and their team to have this initial assessment and initial understanding of where the gaps are for their clients. For an assessment like this, an, an initial assessment for a speech pathologist or a literacy clinic, it's anywhere between 200 to $600. And it takes maybe one or two hours, sometimes three hours. With this, what they are able to do is to say, okay, come in, we're going to need 30 minutes, introducing you to the platform, talking to parents, doing the Discover test. And then what's happening with a platform like this is that there's also an aspect of CRM, Customer Relationship Management Software, which is not what CorePlus does, but it has this concept of, well, you can have all your student profile on Discover, You can run the assessment on Discover, you can run multiple assessment per student on Discover, and all the reports and progress tracking and notes and PDF or file that you attach on that student profile will be under the same platform. So if you have a staff member that's calling sick because of COVID, someone else could actually jump back, look at the student profile, look at the last support session, what has been done, and actually keep going, keep the support consistent. From a business perspective, We're adding an ability for them to now add reading performance assessment and progress tracking to their student information. Well, now you can very easily have all the assessment data needed automatically for each student or each client that you see. We might save you two hours per kid.
0: When you talk about if we use CRM, a lot of people might relate to that customer relationship management, client relationship management. A lot of products must have some aspect of CRM capability in them, whether it's Core or whether it's Tech or others. But it sort of goes to the point, right? Because there's a clinical engagement model that I see in Tech, which is unique to distech. It's got to do with the people that you've been working very closely with. Like You've identified, for example, that before it took two hours to walk somebody through these paper-based assessments. So that's the prevailing way that things were being done. That's the way the culture in that area was enacting itself. So now you're providing a much more efficient way to do that. But then beyond that, now that we have an assessment back, now that we have a result and we're able to scale that in some way, we're able to say, this is good, bad, above normal, whatever the case is. Then there's a next step, which is to have an outcome. So if it's not great, then engage with the health professional, engage with the school, do another review at a period of time, doing the ongoing time series of measurements and being able to actually evidence progress over a period of time. At least that's how I'm understanding your model. Is that the case? That's kind of the clinical engagement or the relationship engagement from sort of initial assessment to an outcome? Yeah. Yeah. On. Perfect. So those are the kind of touch points. So it's not just an assessment. It's actually a workflow for engagement. I use the word clinical and maybe that may or may not be the perfect word for the school customer versus the speech pathologist. The speech pathologist would have a clinical workflow. So being able to leverage DISTEC to be able to snapshot in time progress. So beginning, during and after and be able to evidence that we've actually made progress. So we identified it we diagnose it so to speak and then we put plans into motion and we got an outcome and here are the receipts this is how we evidence the progress has been made is that a fair summary
1: that's exactly right we're actually working with an online reading program i can't really say the name but that's why they want to work with us the main reason why they want to work with us is because they have an online reading intervention program where it's basically software based they want to actually delegate all the student management to us, but they also want to make discover a mandatory assessment before, during, and after the program for all of their licensees around the world. And one of the reasons they want to do this is because it will allow them to actually build a very strong case around the efficacy of their program. Generally speaking, the way you do this right now is you have to spend 100, 200 thousand dollar with a university to run a study on 60 or 100 candidates that go through your program. So it's very, very expensive and it's very long. But with us, because we're not affiliated with any support program or we don't endorse anything, the only thing that we focus on is providing reliable and efficient assessment tool. And it's the same everywhere, regardless of you being in South Africa or in Victoria, it's actually as objective as it is, regardless of your accent or where you are. That allows them then to have this point of data And build a very strong case around hey, we've had 25,000 students going through our literacy program this year. We did an assessment on Discover before, during, and after. And this is all what Discover is measuring in terms of the reading performance. And this is the conclusion of the efficacy of a program. We've seen an increase in reading fluency of 30%, and we've seen an increase of reading accuracy of that much. And it definitely has. certainly a usage for, by definition, progress tracking and indirectly allow clear evidence of efficacy of whatever is being done on the chart, whether it's an intervention or a software-based program.
0: It's fascinating stuff. I really love all the nuance and layers. I know what startups like, and I know some aspects are very painful. I think they're all signs of emerging success, Hugo, because What's that old saying? The definition of overnight success is about 10 years, right? So it's one of these things where you can't go into startup without having a very enthusiastic view of the potential and the future. But I don't know many startups that can get there in a year. It takes three to five years and you seem to be in that three to five year period now and you're starting to see the market now respond and starting to adopt and that's modifying their culture, which I think is a really important part of startup in health tech in particular. Too many people think the tech it just needs to be built and released to the wild, and everything's going to be great. But what we need is the human beings actually to adopt it. So that's a cultural innovation in addition to embracing the tools. And it kind of leads me to a question around AI is at sort of the heart of your architecture in terms of the build, and you're a software as a service offering, meaning web based and very easy for the customers to be able to interact with it, simply just logging on, subscribing, and just embracing the value that's contained within it. Did the world need to get to machine learning and AI for tech to occur? Is it sort of one of these things where, why hasn't something like this been done previously? I mean, software's been around for a little while. Is that what really brought it together?
1: We have two core technology. The technology that predicts the likelihood of dyslexia is purely AI. What that means is that we analyze audio recording. We have an AI model that takes this audio recording in. And the output of this is whether there's a high average or low likelihood of dyslexia. So that's completely 100% what's called machine learning. The other piece of technology that we have, which actually include every single other reading performance measurement that we provide, is actually not AI. You could call it signal processing. So what that is, is that we've engineered some piece of software that can take an audio recording and analyze multiple aspects of the audio recording, reading reaction time, reading time, and all sorts of different things. Much more accurately than any professional, by the way, because we assess with the millisecond, it's very accurate. So if you'd ask me for the second technology that we have, which is assessing reading performance and the multiple aspects of reading, why it hasn't been done before, I have absolutely no clue. This could have been done 10 years ago. My guess is that if you look at the education industry compared to the health industry, so medical devices like this, it seems to me that the education industry is much slower by probably a factor of 10 to adopt technology i don't know the reason for this maybe it's because we're talking about kids here and kids are precious to us that's the future of us if we look at health for example in ai and what's been happening in the health pure health sector you have technology now where you can take a photo of your skin and it would predict skin cancer with more accuracy than any professional owner you have a lot of ai model that can predict and assess things that people do in, you know, when they scan your chest and things like radiology. For us, we built the AI first. What we had to engineer around this to be able to train and build this AI is actually this signal processing thing. So it's like we built the house using AI, but people didn't want the house, they just wanted the door and the wall. So every single reading measurement that we provide is actually an outcome of the scientific research that we've done for AI and predicting dyslexia. It's an irony, but one thing to add on this is that when we talk to educational psychologists or school or any organization in the education sector, and we tell them we can provide you with the likelihood of dyslexia and it uses AI, I can tell you every single discussion that we've had with all those literacy professional and expert, AI is a complete foreign, concept for them and we have to have like a two or three minute explanation around okay what does this thing is and then it would make sense so we certainly have some communication work to do here and that's why on our website we have everything explained we've made video explaining what a machine learning is to make sure that the communication and trust is there because trust is very important in that case
0: i think any industry that is highly regulated you can throw technology at it but The resistance is coming from, but we're regulated to behave a certain way or we have been trained to behave a certain way. That takes time. That takes a lot longer than a lot of tech entrepreneurs actually realize, which is why it sort of goes back to the early statement. It's not gonna happen in a year. It's gonna take three, five years to see that behavioral change. Mind you, once you are the change, you are the new way of doing things. That's obviously very good for the business model going forward in the long run. But it's almost like, You're changing the scene. You know, sometimes you see those timelines that show you how the history of the world has changed. Well, in health tech terms, you can have that kind of chronology of events as well, where you see these different eras of technology. And that coincides with actual professional slash behavioral change on how the actual industry works. And you're a part of that now because you're introducing this kind of, you know, faster, more efficient way of assessing earlier it's online, which presumably can go anywhere, anytime. So it's not confined to just the school facility necessarily, maybe used that way for a period of time, but the technology can mean it can go anywhere, anytime. I noticed you do some really cool stuff where the customer experience can also be shared within video meeting frameworks yeah. like Teams or Google Hangouts or Core Plus Telehealth yeah. or whatever the case is. There are these things where there are very neat Seamless integrations that you've currently built and are contemplating to build as well, which are very handy for improving the way that we can support the healthcare industry in parallel, the educational industry to be able to offer better experiences for mums and dads and their children as well, so that you don't have to take two, three, four hours out of your day to get an assessment, because that's hard for parents. That's a pain point for parents to be able to do that, whether it's work, whether it's scheduling to be able to actually say, well, we could actually do this online and it'll take half an hour or 15 minutes. Wow, that is a tremendous improvement in the customer experience. And I think the easier it is to deal with anything, the easier it is to embrace it and incorporate it into your life. When things are too hard, humans tend to say, no, thank you. Or they drop out of the therapy or the proposed approach. There's a lot of benefits I can see happening here. But yeah, I think when you lead with AI, you get that kind of question on, I don't understand how that's relevant to me. We get very excited about the tech. So then we say, ah, oh, we start dropping yeah. the keywords around the tech, but the world hasn't really got that same contextual relationship with it. So we need to sort of speak in customer terms and say, well, from two hours to five minutes, right?
1: That's absolutely right. And we've discovered this. We were very AI focused at the start and now we literally, we barely talk about it. And even dyslexia, that's not what we promote. When we have a meeting with a school who want a product demo, dyslexia is just at the bottom. Yeah, we will give you whether the child is likelihood of dyslexia, but really what matters is not whether they're dyslexic or not. What matters is are they behind in the reading and where. At the end of the day, that's the actual actionable insight that any educator or literacy clinician needs to be able to go to the next step. Dyslexic is a label. There is some legal status attached to it, which obviously are beneficial. But at that stage, I like to say this to the team. It's like we're not competing against anyone. We're competing against the way of doing things. And we just need to acknowledge that. And the way we engage with school, the way we engage with literacy clinic, we really need to put an emphasis on the fact that we are here to empower them. And ultimately we're helping kids, but first we're here to empower them first because they're the ones supporting the kid. They're the one making the decision. And if we can empower them with tools like this and talk their language and say, this is what we measure. And they have those terms and you can put a learning plan in place and all that sort of thing. They're like, ah, that resonates with me. I'm gonna try it. And when they try it, generally speaking, we've had like most of the feedback that we get, we have 100% customer satisfaction so far from a couple of dozen people filling out service saying, it's very easy to use, I'm very satisfied with it, and it provides a lot of value. So it's really about discussing a way of doing things rather than saying, hey, don't use this product, use our product," because there's no product like this yet. I'm sure in five years' time, there's going to be a lot of people doing that type of work, but right now it's really a paper-based thing that we want to say, hey, you can do this online much more easily, much more efficiently, and potentially saving money as well.
0: One last question to finish on then is what's your vision for the future aside from being where you're at but what's the world going to look like in five to 10 years time if distech has its way?
1: We are going to build and we already have some grand plan around what learning differences could look like and more importantly we know that we can become a tool that empower educator around the world to bring awareness as fast as possible in terms of literacy and potentially other learning disorder. We have some very interesting things on the roadmap with autism as well. For us, the goal is really to become a gold standard in terms of being a platform where you can log in and you have a whole range of different assessments, which are extremely simple to administer, which are completely automated in terms of report. And is a place where you can really validate what you're doing with the child. In other words, we have a global picture in mind. We are already serving some customers in South Africa and in New Zealand. But really, that's what we want to be. We want to be the place where people go to assess students as they enter school and really quickly understand whether any support or specific learning needs to be put in place to make sure that child has maximized opportunity, just like his peer classroom mate. So that's really where we want to go. And we have a roadmap for this, and we already sort of have an idea of how we want to achieve that. And it starts all here in Australia, with people here, with school here, with client here. We really want to establish a strong product, understand that we do indeed provide value, and ultimately expanding this to other countries so that they can also benefit from the work that we're doing.
0: That's great. Oh, I'm looking forward to tracking the unfolding story of Distech, Hugo. So congratulations to you and the team and your co-founders. I know you've raised a little bit of capital recently and it sounds like it's a very worthy opportunity for your investors as well. Looking forward to hearing all about it. I'm looking forward to the integration potential with Core Plus as well. And we've got a ton of speech pathologists in different settings that I think we get a lot of value out of embracing that innovation in administering the relationship with their clients as well. Thanks very much. Fantastic.
1: Thank you so much, Shani, for the chat. It was great chatting. And certainly I'll circle back to you very shortly with some update. And I look forward to another discussion.
0: I'm looking forward to it too, mate. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with HealthTechX, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.